So this morning, our focus is going to be on John chapter 15, verses 8 through 17. And I'd like for you at this time to listen for a moment as Jim Manning reads that scripture for us. John 15, 8 through 17. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. I actually want to take the passage that Jim read a moment ago, and I want to take the thoughts that Rob and Donna began to explain, and I want us to look a little closely at them, because most everyone I know, most everyone you will meet wants some version of a rich, full, productive life. Most everyone you've ever met wants to be happy. Most everyone you've ever met wants to be part of a story bigger than themselves. So if Jesus, who's the most well-known person ever to live, gives insight into how to have that rich, full, productive life, if he gives insight into how to be a part of a story much bigger than yourself, well, I, I would think whether you're a Christian and, and identify yourself as that or, or not, you would want to listen into what Jesus might have to say about that. I think that's exactly what he's talking about in these chapters that we've been looking at over the last few weeks. Can we take a closer look at these amazing words of Jesus? I don't know if we quickly and clearly see a couple of the connections he makes. Before we go kind of verse by verse in this, I think some of what he says, actually, if we hear it clearly, it's going to come as a surprise. We might just want to make sure, did we just hear that accurately? Maybe you've listened to music before and uh, maybe, maybe you're listening along and you go, did they just hit the right note? Or was there something, did I mishear something? Because as Jesus makes a connection, he makes a connection with love and being told what to do and doing what you're told to do. I'm not sure we make that connection. Don't we think that's kind of the opposite? That don't, doesn't love just kind of, you know, accept people for who they are? And does love really tell someone to do something? Is that what love's all about? And yet Jesus says this, if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. How countercultural that Jesus is connecting love with obedience. Did we hear him right on that? And there's another connection because right after that connection of love and obedience, Jesus says, actually obedience will come with joy as well. He, he makes that connection. These things I've spoken to you in verse 11, I've spoken to you about love and obedience that your joy might be full. 
that my joy might be in you. Boy, we think, man, doesn't happiness come from doing what we want? Doesn't happiness come when nobody's going to tell me what to do? But Jesus has something very different to tell us. And I think if we understand it, something even in our senses is going to go, is that right? Maybe you don't dismiss all of those connections, but maybe you think it's like this connection with love and obedience and obedience and joy. Is that like a a, kind of a rare flavor of ice cream that some people like that, but most people like that's just not for them. Or could Jesus be making a connection? I actually think the connection he's making is very much for you and for all of us. So do you get those connections? I want us to look because I actually have some high hopes to come to come out of the next few minutes. I, I have some high hopes, and here, here's what they are. I, I want to share them with you. I actually have the hope, and I'm going to work hard for you to understand some of the basics of love. When you talk about love, it's a challenging, it's a challenging subject, but I want you to understand some of the basics of it. And then I also want to try to set these words of Jesus in a wider picture of what it might look like for your life to be productive and be full and be rich. Let's start with trying to appreciate and understand the basics of love. Because that's where Jesus says, Jesus says in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. And I want you to abide or remain or make yourself at home in that love. We need to understand this because Jesus Jesus can't even talk about his relationship with the Father without bringing love into the mix. And Jesus can't even talk about his relationship with you without bringing love into it. It's that critical. It's that core. We've got to get this. Jesus is saying, I want you to know first that I love you. And I'm going to compare my love for you with the Father's love for me. I'm inviting you, I'm inviting you to make yourself at home in that love. What an invitation. What an invitation we have. It probably will helpful, be helpful to us if you think of some of the existing relationships you know of where love is best expressed. So I, I thought of like, okay, some of the deepest relationships, you would have to, you'd have to think marriage would be one of those. You would have to think of relationships between parent and, and child would be one of those. Maybe other parts of, of family relationships would be part of that. Certainly friends would be a part of that. I also think of like teachers or coaches or mentors and, and the ones who are, are following them or listening to them. Because you're devoted to someone, here's, here's one aspect of love we have to understand. If we're going to understand the basics, we're going to understand this. Love expresses itself in the most sacrificial actions. This is not new territory, but, but I do want us to kind of focus our attention on this. Love expresses itself in the most sacrificial actions by what someone is willing to do or actually what someone does. They are saying, I am. I would hurt for your good. I would take on pain so you might be in a better position. For your good, I will sacrifice. This is so much more than a feeling, isn't it? Real love is. It's so much more. So this is, let's start here again with those relationships. So this is Mother's Day. Is there a better picture 
humanly speaking, of the love that someone has, they would express itself in the most sacrificial actions than the love of a mother for her children. Even when that is not perfect, we know what it should be because we've seen it too many times. As a matter of fact, one of the reasons why this day hurts when you are separated from the mom you love is because you go back, you go back in time and you think, like, how many sacrifices did my mom make for me? The deepest sacrificial actions. I think of my own mom working jobs just to take care of her kids, extra jobs, taking on more than she probably needed to, willing to take that on because she cared. What about those other relationships? I mean, this is the essence of what it means to be a loving husband. If, if a man loves his wife, they are saying, I would hurt for your good. It's so much more than just like, well, here's a roommate that I'm going to tolerate. That, we, we know that's not love. That's not what a husband's, that's not what you stand at an altar and make vows for. That's not. You make vows to say, I will take on hurt because I love you. I'll do whatever it takes for your good. We think of a friend who will go the extra mile. And I, I hope you have some friends like that that will be there for you. They, you know, whatever you need, they would do. They would sacrifice themselves for you. Or I think of the teacher that loves her kids or loves his kids. They, they're not in it to punch a clock and get their paycheck. That's not what it is for them. So actually, they might even drive to a house and put a sign in a yard like they did at our house this past week, just to say, I love my students. I care. If I can't be close to them, at least I'm going to give them an expression that I really, really care deeply for them. This is, humanly speaking, this is love. It's imperfect, sure, but it's still love. Yet Jesus loves us perfectly, and that's why it's so powerful what he says in verse 13. He says, greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is the kind of expression of love that Jesus is talking about, the most sacrificial action. When Jesus talked like this, it sounded so different than other rabbis and philosophers of his time. You go back and read a little bit of history, and they never talked like this. They never said, no longer do I call you a servant. I'm going to call you friend. He's telling them, I'm going to lay down my life for you. I'm going to absorb pain for you. I will bear burdens so that you don't have to. Back then, even now, men, men in positions of authority rarely do things like that. It would almost be the equivalent of hearing from a Marine drill sergeant the first week of boot camp, I'm not going to call you servants. I'm going to call you friends. We just think, well, we don't have categories for that. That's not the way people talk. That's not the way they talk back then. That is the way Jesus talked to his first followers. That is how Jesus speaks to you. I wonder, how do we capture that? Well, no reality show that gives a glimpse of love. Like, is that, are, are we serious? An hour is going to show that kind of love? Probably not. A TikTok video, is that going to like, really? Really, is that going to express the deep dimensions of that love? Are we going to hashtag it? I mean, can we really? I, I think we know love expresses itself in this deep sacrifice. It definitely helps us to begin to comprehend what it means for us to make our, make our lives at home with Jesus, at home in his love. He loves me. He's demonstrated his love for me. He will never love me less. His love cost him something. We saw love in action. We will never be the same. We rest in that. We abide in that. Our life should never be independent of that. As the Father loved Jesus, so Jesus has loved me. 
His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. One thing remains. We sang that. And, and, and whether we had sung it or not, I think I look back to my own life and I think he loved me when I was a kid who didn't even know my own name. He loved me when I was a foolish teenager making mistakes. His love never failed. It never ran out. He loved me when I was an ambitious 20-year-old. He loved me when I was in my 30s and pretty stubborn. And he loves me even now when I'm a pastor without all the answers. His love never fails. So I have to tell myself, like, Curtis, you make yourself at home in that love. And I, I may not even know you personally, but I'm telling you, that's the kind of love you can rest in. You can abide in. Love expresses itself in the most sacrificial actions, but there is another side of love you need to appreciate because love expresses itself in another way, and that is in the deepest trust. That is an expression of love. That's a different one, isn't it? It's the love that says, because I love you, I'm going to rely on you. Because I love you, I am going to act on your good intentions for me. Doesn't a player show that they love their coach when they practice hard, even when they think quitting would sound so much better. But this is like what Hall of Fame speeches are made of. They go back to some coach they had in middle school or high school or college, and they say, I love my coach. And I was willing to do whatever it took for him. I wasn't going to quit because I, I knew he loved me and I loved him. You think of the relationship uh, of students to their teachers. When you know a teacher cares when you know there's this deep love. I saw it even in my own kids' eyes this week as they saw the teacher and like the eyes lit up because they know that teacher cares. That teacher cares. You see it as a kid who shows, shows they love their dad or their mom. You go like, well, that's a daddy's girl. Because you can see it in their eyes. It's like they think dad hung the moon and they're willing to do what dad says, willing to entrust their lives to him or willing to entrust life to mom because they know mom loves him. So they respond accordingly. Or you see a wife shows that she loves her husband when she relies and acts on his good intentions toward her. It's what I think Ephesians 5 is all about. It's what a, what a friend does when a friend knows, like, I can trust I can trust him. I can trust her. I know he would do anything for me. I know I could call her at any time. I would call him at any time if I needed it. Because you rely on that. That's love. That's how love works. And, and let me make a connection here, all right? So when someone, when someone you love says to you, just trust me on this. What they may be saying is they may, what they may be doing is leveraging something about their position or their character or their nature, saying, just trust me on this. And if you love them, you can't ignore that because you love them. And just one, one word of caution, and I think it's a note we need to hear. I think it needs to be said that if a person has broken trust and is using a position of authority to abuse or to hurt or to harm, that's a different category than what I'm talking about altogether. Altogether. Love will be then expressed in very different ways than what we're talking about here. It's, it's not just about taking it and looking the other way. 
love doesn't mean there you are, you just sit down and shut up. No, you should reach out to someone who can help. It's actually, it's not love just to let something go, go and let someone get away with just a path of destruction. That isn't what we're talking about here. But if we, if we hear this right, we think of the person who actually has shown that they do have our best intentions at heart. Even if they might not get friend of the year, or may not ever be like perfect in everything, but they have shown repeatedly, they have our best interest at heart. The person who's sacrificed, even imperfectly, the, the spouse, the friend, the parent, when they say, just trust me on this, they're leveraging something about their position or character. We can't ignore it. If you ignored it, and they said, just trust me on this, and you go, I don't think I can. It may mean you're not quite as devoted to them as you'd like to think you are. Do we believe in who they are? Have they given us a reason to doubt? Well, then we, because we believe in them, we're going to act in a different way than we otherwise might act. Behavior is often a sign of deep devotion. What we do for someone, that is love. So Jesus would say this, and he's not embarrassed to say it. Doing what he says because of who he is and what he's done is always the right move. And it's always an expression of love for him. Doing what he says because of who he is and what he's done is an expression of love. If you keep my commandments, you see how this works? You will abide in my love. Because you're showing you trust me. This may surprise you, but making yourself at home in my love for you, Jesus is saying, it's going to come down to doing what I say. I've made myself at home in the love of my father by doing what he says. You see the connection of love to obedience there. So is there anything else about this connection of love and obedience? Well, Jesus says in verse 11, we talked about it even in a few minutes ago, these things I've spoken to you, not so you'll just grit it out, grin and bear it, fake smile and like pretend it's all good. No, no, I've actually said these things about love and obedience so that your joy would be full so that my joy would be in you. This is going to amount to your happiness. This is going to amount to your happiness being so full, it's actually spilling over. You're actually going to have a happier life when you're doing what I tell you to do because I have your best interests at heart and I know how this world works. That's what Jesus is saying. This is my commandment too, that you love one another as I have loved you. So Jesus could say your love will, your your life will be full. And actually out of that full life, things are going to spill over. And I'm going to tell you, go love someone else. Love each other. Act out, out of this full happiness that I've given to you. This full devotion you have for me. Go love. Jesus' love is just going to keep pressing us until we see others and we, we love them. Love when it's hard. Love when it's easier to walk away. Love when it's easier to be selfish. Give up having the last word or the most, or the best. No, love, you're sacrificing. You move towards someone for their good. You trust, you hang in there. Love one another. You say, I'm sorry. We had to do that in large doses in the Hill household, pretty much always, but especially since like March 13th. We have to receive and abide in that love of Jesus. And then we go like, okay, who's he put in my life to love? I really want us to get this. I want us to work hard to understand this basic, some of the basics of love, how it expresses itself. Love can be such a challenging topic. Do you understand it? Is it going to change who you are? Because it's meant to. 
The love of Jesus is meant to change you. But just for the next few minutes, can we also try to see how these words of Jesus are set in a wider picture of your life being as full and rich and productive as it can be? Jesus said something powerful. Look at verse 15. He said, no longer do I call you servants. Because a servant doesn't know like what his master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. What does it mean for you to be ultimately productive and live the life you were meant to live? What does that mean? I think it starts with having a really good grasp on what God's intention for your life and really everything is. When Jesus says, you know what my father is doing? I told you that. I want us to process that. Because if we begin to piece together exactly what Jesus had told them over the course of three years of them following him, if we begin to process those things, we're going to hear the voice of Jesus. And so I just jotted down a few thoughts of what he had actually told them, what he had actually revealed to them. So he is taking what the father's plan was and he's making it very real to them. So if I had to put it together, I might put it together like this. He told them, this world was designed in the beginning to be beautiful and perfect. And in the beginning, God created people in his image and he enjoyed being with them. Jesus would say, we love them. We would do whatever it would take for their good. But sin, sin came and messed this world up. And most consequentially, it, it messed up the relationship we had with these image bearers, like you disciples. And sin had to be dealt with in justice. There had to be a payment for the wrong that was done, or it'd never be just. But sin also had to be dealt with in mercy. Otherwise, everyone's just destroyed and obliterated. So Jesus looks at his disciples and says, we we began to give you a taste and a preview of what a rescue for sinners could look like. We did that through the people of Israel, through sacrifices and offerings and temples and priests. You could see we're dealing with sin by showing grace. One day the father planned for a Messiah who would arrive on the scene and who would be the embodiment of that justice and that mercy and that love. Jesus would tell his disciples, that day has come. I'm here. God loved the world in this way. He sent me his one and only son, that even while you were sinners, whoever would believe in me wouldn't have their life ruined, but actually would have life that would be eternal. I love you so much that I have come to look and rescue the lost. I'm filled with mercy. And even as I am on this rescue mission of love, my friends, I'm going to be betrayed and executed. I'm going to give my life as a ransom for many. And in those painful moments, I will completely satisfy God's justice as a payment for sin, even as I give my life for yours. But there is good news because I am the king I will rise again victoriously and I will rule over all. 
I will be the one that says, come to me if you are weary. I'm not going to condemn you. I love you. You can be free and you can leave your life of sin behind. What I have done and what I will do for you calls for a response of repentance. So turn around, believe, trust what I have done for you and and follow me. And what I am going to do is build a gathering of people who are going to apprentice their life to mine. They are going to order their life around me. You will show you love me when you trust me enough to do what I tell you to do. I'm leaving you for now. But because I love you so deeply, I have specifically chosen you. I've commissioned you to go. But I'm not going to send you out on your own. I plan for my spirit to be in you and to empower you. And here's your role when I leave. Because you love me, you're going to move out and share good news. You're going to share good news of my love for the world with others. Yeah, some are going to reject that message, but some will listen to you and believe and turn from everything else. And they will be a part of this gathering of believers in me. And you will play a vital role in their lives, being for my glory. You will bear much fruit. And I love you so much that one day I will come back for you so that we can be together forever. And in that day, I will make everything new. New heavens, new earth. That is what the Father is doing. So when Jesus says, all that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. Have you encountered that? Does your life sit in that big story? Does Does this form a part of who you are? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you need to know more? Because there is a digital connection card where you can at least let us know you'd like to talk more. If you don't know that your life is a part of that bigger story. I love what Jesus says. You didn't choose me, but I actually chose you. And I've appointed you that you should go out and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that, listen, so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. I love the closing. I love the offer, don't you? It's as if Jesus, after saying all that, in light of everything I've done and how much I care, in light of this great big plan that I have told you that my father's working on. So what exactly do you need help with? How can I help you? You know you can ask, right? Do you hear Jesus saying that? I do. So yeah, Lord, we know we can ask. That's exactly what I want to do right now. I want to ask the Lord for some things. Will you join me in prayer? Help us, Lord, to put it all together. Help us, Lord, to know how wide and how deep and how long and how high your love is. It's the one thing that remains. And it's also personal. So move our hearts by love. First, move our hearts to process your love for us the kind of love that hurts for the good of someone else. May we know that love. And then give us the heart of faith that actually loves so we're confident 
you are who you say you are, and we're so confident that we're going to rely on you and act on it. We're going to do what you tell us to do. Give us that kind of heart, Lord. And Father, we want Delaware to know of your love, and we want Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Maryland to know of your love. And frankly, we want our country to know of your love, and we want our world to know just how much you love. You told us to ask, and we're bringing our request to you as a good father in the name of Jesus who told us to ask. And we would say, may our lives bear much fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.